17 minutes past eight. This is James Ross with Money Talk. And let's welcome to the show, as ever on a Friday, uh, Andrew Ferris, who is uh, CEO at Ecognosis Advisory. Uh, good morning, Andrew. Good morning, good morning. And let's also say hi and good morning to Lashar, uh, Asia Chief Economist at BBVA Research. Good morning, Shah. Good morning, James. Good morning, Andrew. Nice to have you both on the show. And uh, we see a slight uptick in U.S. inflation uh, this time around, uh, up uh, to 3.2% from 3% in June. Uh, Shark, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, is is that a big deal? Uh, I have to say that uh, this uh, outturn is not that informative because uh, uh, there's still six weeks to go to the next uh, monetary policy meeting at Fed. So uh, something could happen. So this is uh, the summer break, right, for the Fed? Y- yes, I, I think because in August uh, there's uh, no monetary policy meeting, but there's another important meeting for all the central bankers around the world, that the Jackson Hole meeting, okay? So all the central bankers, they will meet in Jackson Hole and mm. they will express their views about uh, policies, about economic outlook. That's very important. That's going to happen in two weeks. Okay, I think that one will be very uh, important to watch. But uh, if you come back to this uh, uh, inflation uh, reading for for, for last month, uh, I think that this one is uh, okay. We know that inflation is slow down, but not as fast as comfortable, right? If the Come, uh, if they slow down very fast, we can make sure that they are not going to hike interest rate. But now it's uh, a little bit, uh, uh, I think, in the middle. Okay, we cannot uh, conclude that next time they will or they will not uh, hike in, hike the interest rate. So we still need to wait. I think that even on Fed side, now they are coming to a data dependent policy. Mm. They come to this uh, uh, wait and see mode. Uh, but anyway, we know that this kind of uh, this round of uh, uh, policy tightening is coming to 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 the end. Okay, right. either they will hike next time or they will uh, keep uh, uh, holding that one. So I don't think they will have a uh, further ones. But the problem is, how long will they hold this interest rate? Initially, we always uh, expect that they are not going to hold that very long. They are going to reverse their uh, monetary policy soon. But now it seems that at least this kind of the high interest rate will continue to the end of this uh, year. So when they are going to turn down next year, Let's we see. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> A- Andrew, is that a view you agree with? Uh, are they likely to pause it at the next, uh, the next round, do you think? Uh, huh. You know, guessing uh, what the Fed is going to do has become uh, almost like inter- biblical interpretation of uh, saying sayings. Uh, I prefer to stick what Powell said, not in this meeting, in the previous meeting, that he just can't see inflation being down to 2% in the year 2000. Take a deep breath, 25. <laughs> okay. So I'm much more interested as how much they are likely to keep interest rates high rather than raise them. And uh, I'm taking a deep breath and saying we are at 5.5% interest rates for another 12 months minimum. So I really don't pay too much attention whether they're going to raise it next time or the other time, unless, of course, Powell changes his mind and says that he feels that inflation is likely to come down at a near date. Okay, (laughs) so it's really as simple as that. I mean, if interest rates were to stay that high for 12 months, what, what's the impact, would you say, Andrew, on the global economy? 
let's split it up in three parts. First, what's the impact on the American economy? And for the time being, it looks uh, amazingly all right. The, the, the equity indexes are quite uh, substantially up year to date. Uh, the dollar is amazingly strong, uh, despite the fact that the United States was almost declared bankrupt two weeks ago. Can you see the shortness of memory in the mm. market? It's absolutely stunning. Thank God for that. Okay. And uh, hence, the impact on, on, uh, on the United States for the time being appears to be a slow uh, pace down on inflation, but not on the economy which is effectively what, what they like to. For the rest of the economies, the other two biggest economies in the world, China and Japan, American interest rates is of no significance whatsoever. Japanese have had zero interest rates to negative interest rates for several years now, and they declared they're not going to change, despite whatever Powell says, and China has actually cut interest rates. Do we have a longer... Do we, Andrew, do we have a longer memory in Asia? Uh, no. Okay, because the performance of Asian interest rates has also been variable, with the exception of Hong Kong, of course, which is which is which is pegged uh, to to the to the U.S. And the other area, okay, you are asking whether it will have an impact on the global economy. Mm. That's the European Union. Uh, they are going to increase interest rates again. So the differentials are of some importance, but frankly, I think it is a huge over overestimation that whatever happens in the United States rules the world. It definitely rules U.S. dollar assets, okay? But it doesn't rule uh, <coughs> yen assets or, for that matter, MND assets. Turning to China, you know, we've had some continuing bad news in the, in the indicators out there. Uh, you know, how, how are you seeing growth, particularly GDP, uh, for the rest of the year and uh, into 2024? Uh, the second quarter was quite strong. Uh, the, the third and fourth quarters are likely to be down for reasons that are reflected in inflation rates and particularly producer price rates and, of course, the, the CPI. But for the first time, actually, it became negative. Again, China didn't, hasn't had a CPI deflation uh, for several, several, several months now. So it's, it's not true to say that. So I do expect that consumer spending uh, will continue to keep the GDP growth rate down as will investment. And incidentally, I pay very little attention to the colossal importance that's being paid that exports have actually declined. Yeah, they have. Look, net exports in China, net exports, that's exports minus imports, the growth of that net usually produces a very small percentage of GDP growth. On average, it will produce perhaps, if we're lucky, 20%. So in other words, if the economy grows up by 100, 20 of that is accounted by the uh, net exports. So in other words, I look at them with interest and most definitely with sectoral interest, but not in terms of GDP growth. Uh, turning um, now, Shark, to uh, China's property market, Country Garden looking like it's got a bit of a problem uh, coming up. Yes, I think that that's a very serious problem. Uh, initially, we know that uh, the Chinese authorities, they try to stimulate the, the demand of the property market. Uh, so far, I think that the progress is not that satisfactory. Uh, that's why this uh, uh, country garden, uh, along with other, even the uh, state-owned uh, property 
developers that they met troubles because they cannot sell enough apartments to the household. Mm. That's the problem. That's why they met this. Uh, uh, so far, I still call it this one is a liquidity problem for all these uh, developers. So that's why I think uh, maybe uh, Chinese authorities should seriously consider the possibility of buying out some developers. I mean, the private developers. Uh, previously, we know that it's uh, very difficult to to bail out some uh, developer because they are not financial institutions. Uh, uh, maybe you cannot justify they are financial uh, important, systematically important to the economy. But now things are different. At least uh, now if you uh, do something to bail out uh, some key de uh, developers, uh, maybe you can shorten the time of this uh, property market crisis. That's my personal judgment. I know technically it's mm. very difficult. They must uh, go through a lot of uh, discussion about this one. But uh, I like to say, if we, we look at now, maybe we, we should do that one. Yeah. Turning to the retail sector, Alibaba's results looking uh, quite promising. Uh, you know, what does that say about uh, China's consumption and prospects for, for growth? Yeah, I, I fully agree with Andrew. If you look at uh, the retail sector, because Alibaba is an uh, online uh, re retailer, you can see that one. Uh, even the online business, uh, e-commerce, uh, they do this well after the reopening of the economy, because we already know that uh, these are real uh, consumptions, uh, the consumptions in the shopping mall, the consumptions of the services uh, have been uh, have been very good so far. So that means that the Chinese uh, household, they still have interest, they still have a capacity to consume. Uh, this is very good, help to stabilize uh, the GDP growth, help to stabilize the, the entire cons consumer sectors. Of course, uh, China's uh, growth, they still have some headwinds, uh, uh, for example, the, the property market one. Okay, mm. that if you look mm. at uh, this one, it's a super big durable consumption. But still, I think uh, Chinese uh, uh, consumption will continue to support the, the GDP growth. Andrew, just turning to climate, uh, and you know, I know this is something you follow closely. It's only three months uh, to COP28. What, what are your thoughts uh, about around investing in climate-related uh, uh, stocks? I'm a, I'm a raging bull on the basis of incredibly bad news. I'll say that very slowly. I'm quite bullish on uh, green production sector on the basis that uh, the COP28 in Dubai is going to simply seal the fact that we're not going to hit the 1.5, that uh, the climate changes will continue to accelerate. Unfortunately, despite the fact of quite significant progress right across the world in terms of shifting uh, to non fossil fuels, uh, that's also a very relative expression. Okay, so in other words, the world has been doing quite a lot, but not anywhere near to avoid what the climatologists consider to be the pivotal point of hitting right. 1.5 at about the year 2050. So the bad news is going to be that's going to reaccelerate again investment in, in anything that has to do with green energy. And that is, of course, uh, solar as well as wind and as well as the methods now being developed to capture uh, carbon dioxide. I'm not a great believer in capturing at all, but it is part of it. Okay? Right. Andrew Ferris is CEO at uh, Ecognosis Advisory. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us as ever on a Friday morning. And also thank you to Shark uh, Lashar, Asia Chief Economist at BBVA Research.